Hey everybody, it's Kirk Henderson, and this is another episode of Kirk Your Enthusiasm. Tonight I brought on three guests, Ben Collins of NBC News, then Bobby Corolla of Mavs.com, and Nick Angstad of Locked On Mavs, and I hope you enjoy. Hello everybody, this is Kirk Henderson. I'm joined today by Ben Collins of NBC News, also head of the brand new uh, non-conspiracy theory group, Lou Anon, for Luka Doncic. How are you, Ben? Good, uh... Where where we go one we go all first of all. And second of all, I think <laughs> kind of true with Luca though. We really needed to band together a couple of years ago to make sure a moment like this would happen. And holy Jesus, man, we did it. We Kirk, we did it. It's happening. It's it's this, all of our dreams are coming true. This is better than anything I would have thought of. I mean, I I, I I had like you know aspirations and hopes, but I didn't have them for two years into the into his series. So so tell me what you thought of the game. Where what were you doing? How how did it all go down for you? Sure, I you know I, I was watching. I lost my mind. I I don't think there was a person uh, on the block that didn't hear me. And I'm in New York, so it was it was people had no idea what I was yelling about. I'm sure. But it, it, look, man, this was uh this was something I thought would start happening. F- five years from now or three years mm-hmm. from now, five years from draft day. And uh, the fact that it's happening now is, is next level. I, you know, I, I really did lose my mind after that game. Um, especially in the first half, I was like, okay, well, you know, we had a nice run. Uh, this is the best we can do with, you know, no KP and Luca on one leg. And uh, somehow he put in probably the best performance he's ever put on with quite literally one ankle. That's what was happening. He was getting like theragunned midway through the fourth quarter. <laughs> That's what was happening. It was a shot of him getting theragunned by the guy. I don't even know how that would be good for an ankle. And he uh, he really did. He completely took over and beat the defensive player of the year uh, through a screen for a switch and then hit a three in the face of another guy. Um, that is some LeBron, Michael Jordan stuff. And uh, God, I... Uh, there was no human reaction for me that wouldn't have been insane. So I, uh, I, I lost it. There it was great. I was, I, dude, if you, you've been riding on a, on a serious weird high for the last 24 hours, right? I, it, you know, so game two, I stayed up like all night, basically being a, a, a heart, you know, very much uh J Jonah Jameson, like get me more pictures of Spider-Man, uh, you know, <laughs> demanding Luka Doncic content. And, and basically Mavs content. And then yesterday, because it was an early game, I watched it with my wife and son. And then after the game was over, he was like, well, I want to go play basketball. So it was like a very – it was awesome. And then it was very opposite kind of reaction to where I had to come back like two hours later. Josh and I recorded our podcast late. And I got to really take it all in much more as a fan than a content creator, which was a lot of fun in that sense. I was like showing neighbors uh, like, uh, so, you know, clips and stuff like that so that was that was pretty outstanding and i just i don't know where to go with this because you know midway through the second quarter i was issuing orders to we needed to start getting together like player reviews for the season <laughs> because i was like i'm ready to pack it up you know yeah uh now the player reviews sort of changed to me i mean look we we saw i thought the best championship run of all time in 2011 where we saw a guy with very little help win a championship by himself against a team that had three hall of famers on it. So I, I thought we were blessed to see that this team, this specific team had, had much less help. Um, You know, the second best player in this game is on some sort of contract that 
doesn't exist in NBA history. He's on like somewhere in between like a 10 day and something else. He's on a replacement contract based on a pandemic. Um, and he was Trey Burke was the second best player in this game. Probably unless you say Maxi was, and his offense has been off like a terrible, maybe Tim Hardaway, you know, this guy did this entirely by himself at 21 and beat the, the best playoff player in NBA history single-handedly. So, uh, I, I don't even know what you're supposed to look at, you know, here to four. I have a couple of ideas for, you know, how we can play a little bit better in this couple of games to take the heat off. But um, man, I, I, I'm just, uh, I think we just got to sit back and watch the ride and, you know, if it doesn't keep going, realize that what's happening already is kind of unprecedented. I just, I'm so, I, I've been really enjoying it because at this point it's a best of three. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Porzingis. You know, we're recording this at five o'clock on uh, Monday uh, in the afternoon. So, you know, there's a lot that can happen between uh, now and Tuesday night when the game is played. But as far as just, you know, feeling this, this is one of these things. I wrote a piece at the start of the season about how this is the time to really enjoy the Mavericks because the expectations will come heavy and hard next year. I, this is a different like realm of existence because yeah. if what if they win tomorrow? What if they go up three to two? I won't know what to do with myself. We we hypothetically said this months ago, back in like February, where we were like, well, if we put, you know, we're gonna probably we could make it out of the first round as long as we don't play the Clippers. You know, if the Clippers are a kryptonite, we can't do all this stuff. Uh, and then you know, it's the sky's the limit. Well, now if we beat the Clippers, everything else might be a little bit easier. Maybe round two would certainly be easier. Uh, Round three, uh, you know, who knows what comes out of that Lakers Rockets thing, but we have this is going to be a very uh, th- this next game is the most important game of the playoffs for us. I really do believe that because then from there on out, it's gravy. We could legitimately advance to at least the Western Conference Finals if we win this next game. I really, yeah. I really truly believe that. Yeah, I, I, I believe it too. You know, Josh, who is me and he are kind of. You know, we we get kind of accused of being the grumpy ones online. And after game two, he said, "You know, if the Mavs win game three, they're winning the championship. I don't care." And it's been it's been kind of that feeling. And I, you know, I'm going to try to get Bobby Corral on after this, and I think we're going to you know talk a little bit more about some of the numbers. But like, this is just such a feelings thing to where I've I've been urging anybody that's even like casual, it's like really savor this because this isn't going to happen like that very often you know i i can't remember you know there's so much dark like there's so much volume with the Nowitzki experience that certain things are just like blurring together it's like you know you misremembering the five awesome games he had because he was just so good but like i i bear like game two was it game two game two in the finals like that's maybe the only yeah. other game that i feel like even approaches this oh yeah, it, it, it was similar vibe too, where it felt like they were dead in the water, and then suddenly everything just turned on, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what took place here. It, you know, halftime here, and I think we were like seven minutes left in that game too. Same situation where they realized that, hey, look, we just gotta we gotta give Luca the keys to the car and just see what happens, um, because nothing else is working, and yeah. that's what happened. I really, I, I think that's what happened, and I think also once you get behind that identity, and you know, you have like MKG and like a Deshaun Stevenson role, and you know, everybody is playing their part. They're not complaining about it. Boban is playing this series of his life and 
he's still playing 20 minutes a game and he's not complaining about it. He's there for it. And he understands that he can't play at the end of the game. There's just, this is a team that cares about each other. The other team looks dejected and weird. Um, what their, one of their best players is, has been rendered useless this series. Don't know why. You see, um, he locked his Instagram comments. Oh my God. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, there's some, I think there's something going on there emotionally. And that's the other thing is like the, the bubble is not great for everybody. And if your team is kind of floundering and, uh, you don't have a good support system and you're not enjoying this and you're not 21 like Luca is, or, you know, w- with Luca, I'm sure this feels like college to him or something. Um, you know, I could see how this would be frustrating and terrible and, uh, you know, it would just compound all the problems you already have. So unfortunately that's great for us. Like we're in really good shape. Yeah. Um, if we can just keep, uh, you know, keep it going. I don't, I don't anticipate we're going to just roll through them next game. I think the first quarter of this next game is going to be very hard. Um, you know, I think Patrick Beverly is probably going to try to suit up. It's going to be a difficult task. And like Luca is not going to be allowed to score 42 points. He's going to get beat up. Uh, hopefully they call the fouls this time. But yeah. look, that, that's the difference here is they have to realize that, you know, that, that overtime, they have to play that the entire game this time. It's going to be physical and weird and tough, just like game two was. Um, they can, but they can do this, dude. I really do believe it. I really think they can win the series. I do too. I do too. I, I, man, it feels so, so awesome. Well, here's what we're going to do. If they make it to the second round, I'm going to ask you and probably some other people to come back and talk about what's happening next. And if they don't make it to the second round and the NBA finally figures out what it wants, it's kind of free agency schedule to be, I'm probably going to hope to have you on sometime in in October or so to where we can talk about that. Cause I know you have some, some ideas. You are a, you are an idea man when it comes to this sort <laughs> yeah. of thing. So I'd look They're forward not to always good, But dude, I will, I will tell you one of, one of the ideas was do everything you can to draft Luka Doncic. So every once in a while they hit. And uh, when, the, when that one hit really well, that was, I'm going to, I'm going to say, come out and say it right now. I think that was a pretty good idea. I agree. I couldn't, yeah. couldn't be happier. All right, dude, we will talk soon. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, okay, guys, we'll be you. right back. We'll be right back after a commercial break. All right, guys, we're back. This time I'm joined by the epic Bobby Corrala. Bobby, how are you? You guys should know Bobby from Mavs.com. I should have actually given him an introduction, but if you don't, then you're following all the wrong people. Bobby, what's up? Oh, man, I'm doing better now that I'm talking to you, Kirk. And people should also remember me from Mavs Outsider Report, where I worked with some guy named Kirk Henderson back in the day. Hearing your podcast with Rob Mahoney made me extremely nostalgic. How good was that? How good was that podcast? Like, I just like asked him questions and he was like, this is why these things happen. I'm like, this is why I'm not a professional writer. That was a really good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, that's, that's a, that's a very good metaphor for playing with a superstar like Luca. If you get Rob Mahoney on your podcast, you just have to ask him a question. You look like a genius. Well, let's just jump right into it. So the Mavs won last night, best feeling in a while. What game feeling wise because you've seen a ton of Mavs games over your lifetime can you compare that game to any that you've seen or been at or watched oh man uh it's tough I mean you know the stakes were the stakes were pretty high within the context of that series but you know this is kind of recency bias even though it was nine years ago I would say the the game that it most closely resembled I would say was 2011 game two against Miami in that final series um just the the emotional roller coaster that you went on throughout that game being down 20 early now the Mavs are down 15 late in that game but just the the unexpected nature of the comeback and and then you know 
continuing the similarities between those games, Dirk made an incredible go-ahead shot to put Dallas ahead, and, and you know, it should have been the dagger, and Luka makes this amazing spin move and finishes at the rim to put them up two with 29 seconds left, and then they just commit, like, kind of dumb mental mistakes at the other end on the next possession. Uh, you know, Miami ties the game on that open Mario Chalmers three, and uh, Marcus Morris hits the open three from the corner to put them ahead, and and then the superstar goes superstar mode again and 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 wins the game for Dallas at the other end. And so just like the the imp, the improbable nature of the comeback and then also the improbable nature of having to do it again whenever you just kind of blew it uh, in, in the closing seconds was incredible. But, I mean, there have been other wins too. You know, it, that was very like San Antonio Game 7, 2006. It was just another like just epic, epic performance by Dirk. Um, and, and Luca kind of followed suit in that regard yesterday too. I mean, it was just it was it was an amazing game. But I'm with you. I mean, it's tough to find anything that compares to it because what we saw yesterday was unique statistically and also just emotionally and, and everything. So I had thought a game too, but I hadn't thought quite that deep about it. And now I'm all tingly. That was that, that's, <laughs> that's really good. Well, and, and if you really want to get if you really want to get freaked out, Dirk's game winner in that game was with his left hand and he had a he had that that tendon uh issue going on in his left hand he i think he like whatever tore a ligament in his finger or something and he was wearing a brace on his on his hand in that game some tape on his on his finger on his left hand and luca of course had a bum ankle and what does he do whenever he shoots a step back three he puts a whole lot of weight on his left foot and so it's just like it's just the whole the whole hero's journey thing is enough to give you goosebumps Let's just, just uh, you know, you always come up with, and so does the Mass PR department, really puts out some great information and numbers. If you could pick one statistical marker from last night that you like kind of keep coming back to, what would it be? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, well, I mean, I th- the big one that jumps out to me right away is, you know, Luke is a 30% three-point shooter for the season, <laughs> but he, he hit two threes late in the fourth quarter and another one in overtime. Um, and, and when his three point shot is on, man, he's just impossible to guard. But I think, you know, most importantly, their offensive rating in the, in crunch time last night in clutch situations. So final five minutes score within five points, it was like 131, which is amazing, you know, it's in like itself, a 30 point swing. Yeah. And in, in, in the reg in, you know, the regular yeah. season, their, their crunch time offensive rating was like one Oh six or something, maybe even worse. You know, yeah. they, they did a little better in the bubble, but I mean, it, it was so low. And so, you know, if they can just score a little bit in crunch time, then they're going to, they're going to be almost unbeatable, you know, because their offense is so good for the first 40 minutes. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say also uh, this was, I, th- I think the great Jonathan Charks might've told me this or might've been somebody else. I don't remember. So I, I don't want to give credit where it's sure. not due, but uh, Luca's net rating when he's on the floor with Trey Burke in this series is like plus 16. And whenever Trey Burke is on the bench, it's minus 11. And uh, that's a, that's a pretty stark contrast, but that just kind of confirms this sort of I don't know suspicion or 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 just thought that's been lingering in the back of my head all season, where you know this is the best offense of all time or whatever. Of course, we can we can talk all day about that, but I felt like there was that missing element all season long of cat like quick guard who can break guys down without Luca's penetration sort of creating a driving lane. Like you can just give the ball to Trey Burke and he'll beat his man one-on-one and get to the rim. And that is so valuable on this team because you have an all-world creator in Luka and you have KP who can shoot a 35-footer. If there's a hand in his face, it doesn't matter because he's so freaking tall. 
and you have a bunch of good shooters, but they don't really have a guy, maybe Jalen Brunson counted before he got hurt, but they don't really have a guy who can just beat his man one-on-one, you clear him out, and he'll still be able to get to the rim. And adding Trey Burke into that mix, filling that role has been such a boost because it just gives Luka the, the freedom to take some possessions off and and it gives them an element of quickness and dynamicism that they really haven't had. It was like the only missing link from the best offense ever. And now they have it. And it was a guy who was sitting on the couch. So that's that's two things that I, that I really kind of have been thinking about the last 24 hours or so. Do you think we will see a positive regression to the mean for Maxi the bricklayer Kleba, who is one for 16 from three in the <laughs> series? <laughs> oh, don't be mean. Don't be mean to my guy. Um, well, he had two that nearly went down late. Like some of his shots have been a go. And the, yeah. that one from the corner was down. Oh, the basketball guys out. robbed him on that. That went in and out twice. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was crazy. Um, I think a, a, a nice regression will come. You know, I mean, it's it's confidence with all these guys, Maxie, Paul George. I mean, they're they're all kind of going through it a little bit, but um, I mean, the shots have been there for Maxie, and, and to his credit, he continues to take him. I think he's really only passed up maybe like one or two shots this whole series. So he's still playing with a fair amount of confidence. But uh, and I, I know this has been a big talking point with you and Josh especially, but putting him in the starting lineup kind of like takes a little bit of offense away from what you'd be getting if you had Seth in. But the defense that he's playing on Kawhi is is really, really admirable, and and you do notice – kind of a drop off in the in the physicality on the defensive end whenever you move from Maxi to say like Dorian defending Kawhi. You know, Dorian's a great defender, but Kawhi's just too strong for him. And so having Maxi on him for like 40 minutes is has really been good uh for the defense, but it does kind of sap your legs a little bit on the offensive end. And so, you know, we'll see. I don't think they necessarily need Maxi to shoot 40% from three in order to win this series, but you know, with the way that everybody else is going right now. Um, but if he picks it up a little bit, then obviously, I mean, they're going to be like almost unbeatable with the with the way that that Trey and Seth are playing right now, and of course, Luca and KP too. He had a block at the rim on Zubak that I think really changed the tenor of how he played in the fourth quarter in overtime, where he went from looking very tight to looking very regular season maxi. I could be completely full of it on here, but. I just remember that and thinking, oh, wow. And then it just, everything seemed to kind of go a little better for him after that block. Shots didn't go down, but that is what it is. Yeah, I mean, it was a hell of a play. And look, I mean, mentally, like, can you imagine having to guard Kawhi for four games and he's just lighting you up? Like, Maxie's making it pretty tough on Kawhi and he's still hitting just impossible shots against him all game long. And so, like, that's got to be so emotionally draining. And so it's got to feel pretty good to just stuff the absolute crap out of a the only guy on the floor that's bigger than you. Uh, and he, and he did it to Zubats and he had a really big contest against Lou will too. At one point, like everybody got switched up. They kicked it out to Lou will in the corner. Maxi closed out on him, made it, put it on the ground and then got back and contested the shot too. So, I mean, he, he made some big defensive plays, but I think another thing too, is this playoff series is the first time that he's really played more than like 25 minutes a game yep. for yep. longer than a week. So uh, he's, he's, putting his body through a test that it, that he hasn't really experienced before. So uh, everybody's kind of learning as they go in this, in this series. Well, do you have anything that you're looking for for game five past a, past a win? <laughs> Is there anything that you're kind of keeping an eye out for? Um, if the Clippers, so, well, okay, it's tough. The Clippers might change up their defense on Luka, I think, eventually, uh, to get Kawhi on him more often. Kawhi or I don't Paul know if George. they can. 
I don't know. Yeah, if they I, can. I don't know if they can either. But I think that that task becomes a little easier if KP doesn't play. If mm-hmm. KP does play, it's gonna be tough because like having a guy who can just bomb thirty footers just wrecks your defense. So if KP does not play, and the Clippers make a concerted effort to uh, to keep either Kawhi or George on Luca all game, then what do the Mavs do next? And I think that maybe could be play through Trey Burke a little more, play through Seth a little more. But if the Clippers basically say, like, to hell with switching, let's just hedge hard and keep Kawhi on Luka at all costs, then what are you going to do? And and also, too, I mean, that would put the Mavs at a disadvantage because you're taking the ball out of Luka's hands potentially. But it could also sap Kawhi's legs a little bit because, That's I mean, like, I, I'm, I don't want to make fun of the guy, but he's barely guarded Luka in this series. He's mostly guarded, like, Dorian or Maxi. So he hasn't really been moving much, working too hard on defense. Mm-hmm. But if, if he does all of a sudden, then what does that do to him offensively? Because outside of Lou Will here and there, they really haven't been getting anything consistent from anyone on that team. And so uh, if you do, you know, sap Kawhi a little bit, then I, I wouldn't totally be upset with that. But that's the biggest thing to me heading into game five is, you know, the Mavs have arguably been the better team through through this point in the series. And so if you're the Clippers, I mean, that's kind of the last adjustment to make. It's how you're defending Luka. And, and if they do change that up, then what's the Mavs' response to that? Uh, and that could ultimately decide the series. The the take that I unleashed to Charks this morning on Gchat at like 7 in the morning um, when he was on and I was on was I think Kawhi is frustrated by LeBron in a way that – or not LeBron, by Luka in a way that, that anyone has, hasn't been able to during his entire career because – LeBron is such a powerful, fluid, graceful player. Luca plays low. Luca gets leverage. And there have been these times when, when Luca moves Kawhi like he's a pawn on a chessboard. And I cannot emphasize this enough to people who haven't watched a lot of Kawhi. Kawhi might be the best defender from a perimeter standpoint that we've ever seen. He's unreal. And so I, I would need to see more video. And I'm not, I'm not this good of an analyst, but I, I just think that like the leverage points that Luca gets on Kawhi is going to exhaust him over if they if he has to do that for anything more than you know spot possessions. That's that's my wild take. Yeah, he dribbles the ball really low to the ground, and he's always really hunched over. I heard you talk about that. I think you were on maybe with Josh in the post game from yesterday. Uh, you said he has kind of like this old man crouch. He uh, does. <laughs> and, and that's a really good observation because he's not bringing the he's not holding the ball way out and Kawhi's got incredible hands and so if you show him the ball he will strip you no matter what the situation is but uh you know Luka's not doing uh, a lot of like crazy high dribbles or out in front of him he keeps it low and tight near him whenever he has to and you know as he goes up for layups he's not doing the Giannis side to side euro step thing and he's not bringing the ball up high like James Harden does he still keeps it low and then will instead of just throwing himself into you where Kawhi can just kind of swallow you up, he decelerates and like lets you go past him. And so Luca just plays Spencer Dinwiddie of all people had, I thought the best observation of it. Uh, Luca plays to his own rhythm and he doesn't give you the chance throughout a game to kind of get used to his moves. Like, like think about like an NFL quarterback has the same cadence every time where you can start kind of predicting it and, and, and get a good, uh, good, good pass rush off. Luca doesn't play at the same rhythm the whole game. He changes it up. And so you can't – you have no idea what he's doing. You don't know if he's going to stop, if he's going to step back, if he's going to drive, spin, pull up. You have no idea what he's going to do. And so that element of unpredictability, I think, as much as his deceleration ability or his power or whatever, makes him an, an impossible guard because every possession is unique. And that also makes him fun to watch too because as a fan, you never know what he's going to do. But 
uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just been amazing to to watch him play, and he has kind of gotten the better of Kawhi a few times, which I, I mean, I lo- I love Luca more than anybody in the world, but I I would have thought Kawhi would have gotten the better of him in this matchup so far, but I mean, Lucas held his own, which has been just amazing to watch. I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so much for joining me. We're going to have to have you on. If the Mavs get to the second round, we're going to need more Bobby talk. But, you know, you do so much work every day with Mavs.com. You have your daily podcast that you, you, you're you always grinding out stuff in a way that puts us to shame. So we appreciate all your work. Uh, yeah, we'll talk soon, okay? All right. Love you, man. Folks, I'm back with friend, former Mavs Moneyball con- contributor, once and always locked on Mavs host, Nick Angstad. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, especially after Sunday afternoons. Incredible, incredible boost to my just overall psyche. Well, so with a mid-afternoon game, like what did you do with yourself the rest of the day? Because, you know, you are are a content machine in the sense that you're online a lot doing things with your uh what's it called the uh the live like kind of the live stream where you're uh talking through games like you're online like doing stuff with basketball stuff for multiple hours a day so like when a game ends like that what do like what do you do with yourself because you and isaac recorded fairly early because i saw the podcast where did you actually like get a good night's sleep for once or were you so jazzed (laughs) were you just like up until like three in the morning I was really jazzed. I uh, speaking of which, I watched the Jazz and the Nuggets after that. Uh, I uh, yeah, I was I was live on Hot Mike during the game, and at the beginning of the game, even somebody in the chat said, "Man, at what point during this game did you regret going live on a Sunday afternoon, like random game that the Mavericks are going to just completely tank?" And I was like, "Man, I actually do kind of regret this," and I almost thought about turning it off. So glad I didn't. I got so much, you know, run out of it. Basically, uh, even the call of you know me on hot mic, I put it in the the intro of. Like, I oh, heard. So, so if was you haven't listened, there's, there's three great broadcasters at the beginning of that call. I don't know if you caught that. But. I did. It was. It seemed like <laughs> a great time. And and you know, when you're doing audio like this, this is some inside baseball BS. But like, it's really easy to sound very stupid in a room because if you're not paying attention to echoes, sometimes things sound awful. Uh, and that was like my favorite part about Coop's call was like you could tell he was so excited that he like pulled away from the mic a little bit like that. That was just it was great, great radio, great all around. Yeah, I, I I did very much enjoy the intro. I hope you had a good time making it. It's very funny clicking into your podcast compared to ours because yours is like produced and put together, whereas ours is just like me and Josh yelling shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> is that the description of your podcast it might be that's why we don't have many ratings um Kirk and Josh that, rate and subscribe <laughs> everybody um so what so so if if you were to kind of you know do you have any takeaways from the game that you haven't shared yet things that have percolated since you and Isaac recorded last night things that Isaac and I we talked about on the podcast which has just been a take that I didn't realize I, I fully embraced but now I do I would take Luka Doncic over Giannis if you're building a team right now. Just straight up. I mean, it, it didn't seem as hot of a take to me when we said it, but then I start thinking about it. I was like, man, I would. I would totally take Luka instead of Giannis. And I think that is, uh, man, just thinking about the ceiling for Luka and how he's not even there yet, and then the fact that we're already talking about him as better than this generational player in Giannis is – it's quite mind-blowing. I don't even know where to go with it. I mean – where's the limit i don't know 
Well, since since we've been in the bubble, a, a thing that's percolated more and more with people who don't watch him regularly is just how much of a performer he is in the sense that he, he gets a kick out of doing stuff for the sake of doing it. And, you know, the passes, the pizzazz, like, you know, Giannis is, is, a, is a machine. He's a basketball terminator, just like Kawhi. But there's not a lot of, like, joy. Watching Luca is like it's 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 like you know binge watching a television show where you just get over invested in the characters, and then when something like that happens, it was like such an emotional release because you know we've you know, the Mavs have lost some very stupid games this year, <laughs> and so the fact that they won that one was just absurd. I I said on our our cast last night like I had gotten up and walked across the room like I saw it. But I was, I was just, you know, I, I didn't want to be in front of my computer. I was like just ready to be kicked in the shins because that's just the way <laughs> Mavs basketball's gone in the short term. So this is fun. It is really fun. If you, you had to sell your soul, so basically it feels like the Mavericks sold their soul through the whole season, and all those terrible kick kick yourself in the shin, you know, clutch games the Mavericks lost. I think Luca was 0 for 10 in clutch shots that were like, you know, to tie the game or to, to win the game in like the last second this year. If you had to give away all those for that one game, game four, I think you would, right? A hundred times oh, out of a hundred, yes. you would do that. Gosh, it just yes. com- completely made it worth it. The the trajectory of the Mavs has been, you know, I, I, I came up with a take right at the end of the season where if they had won maybe five more of those clutch games, they would have won 48 games. And 48 games is not like this roster out of 75. Yeah. And this roster, we just, you know, they're outperforming in a huge way. And so I, I, it's really fun to see them do it in this really small setting, but you can also still see the holes and the things that they need to fix. Right. And, And like where they need to improve in the off season and if they had won five more games, I think it's really easy to say, okay, well, this this team is, you know, we just need to give them time. We need to give them time. Well, you know, we need to do we we do need to give give the team time to figure something out. These guys are still so young, so you know, depending on what happens in the series, I'm walking away very pleased. But I also think that there's a lot of homework involved for the Mavs front office in the sense of, all right, how do we get the most out of them, and and how how do we build a team that's just a little bit different to take to take the the Mavericks further in the playoffs. Now, knowing I say that they're going to, they're totally ending up in the Western conference finals, right? Like that feels, <laughs> that feels reasonable at this point. Maybe, maybe not tomorrow. This, this, <laughs> this might be a take just for, just for uh Monday and Tuesday morning, you know? Well, one of the best parts about sports is we can talk and talk and talk and we can say, oh, we definitely know this. We definitely know it. Before the, se- before the series, I was saying, oh, the Mavs maybe slide by with one. Maybe the series ends in five, you know, whatever. But you still have to play the games, right? And the fact that an outcome like game four can happen just changes everything. Uh, and, and you realize, like, man, we don't know everything. Like, even though we, we feel like at this point, there's so much data, there's so much information, there's so many takes. There's so many people that watch the sport religiously that tell you things. And then all of a sudden something happens that bucks all those things, right? All the clutch numbers, all the stuff where the Clippers are so much better than the Mavs. And then the Mavs just win with like one shot, right? I mean, one shot is the difference between us being elated and us being like, you know, probably fairly upset, maybe just, you know, dissatisfied with the game, right? Uh, And it just, it changes so much. I think adding 
somebody to this team or whatever the, the Mavericks need to do in the offseason is I think they need a secondary ball handler. It's better than Trey Burke. Trey Burke has been incredible and adding him to the lineup has been so good, but to get a legit secondary ball handler, I think would just change this team so much. Yeah. I really like watching Luca operate off ball too, because he's very, he's got that, you know, the mind of kind of a soccer player to a certain extent where he, he does, you know, he's, he moves really well. He makes the right decisions and he kind of perplexes defenders. And frankly, it's just sometimes it's an easier way for him to get buckets uh, because that, that dude works hard. And I, I would like to see that too. And it's not, um, I mean, this is probably going to get me in trouble. It's not Jalen Brunson. Brunson is, you know, Brunson. No, that's not going to get you. That's not going to yeah. get you in trouble. Well, I mean, fans really like him, but I don't see a pat like Brunson as, as if he gets, you know, he's already an outstanding player for, for where he was drafted. And so if, if he's, you know, your eighth, ninth man, that's a heck of a team. But if he's your sixth, sure. seventh man, that team still needs help is, is I guess the way I'd like to phrase it. So yeah, I'm really we're looking talking forward about- we're talking about adding a third man or a second man, right? Like yeah. somebody like that. Like a secondary ball hunter needs to be somebody of that level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not right. Well, well, do you, you know, I, I didn't want to take your time too long because you do lots of stuff. You probably want some time to to not talk to people about basketball. But if you have an opportunity to make a, a, a prediction of any sort about the game on uh, Tuesday night, let's let's hear it. Oh, I'm feeling Kawhi's coming out, man. I just, I just feel like it's gonna be some kind of Kawhi 50 point game. Ooh. I think that he's just been a sleeping giant, and he's this whole Clippers team has just really felt like they've, they needed somebody to just take the reins and go with it, right? And I feel like Kawhi is the guy that's gonna, gonna have to do it because it's almost like you know, in uh, what was it either Infinity War or Endgame or no, it was before, before those two movies where Thanos takes the gauntlet and he just goes fine i'll do it myself, do it myself. Right? Oh, yeah. like like paul george isn't gonna do it lou williams has scored 36 and it didn't matter montrez harrell is getting completely destroyed by bobon and luca and you know like all the patrick beverly hasn't even suited up yet all these options are just not working for them and Kawhi's like all right fine i'll just go and you know i'll have to outscore them myself and i think that's what he's gonna do so i still think the clipper the clippers should still win this they right? should but, still win yeah yeah, and so I think Kawhi comes out with it with a huge game, and uh, maybe I maybe like it. he's also it, maybe heard that that some people are saying that Luca is better than him. So I wonder how much that's going to affect him as well. Well, I, I I talked about this a little bit with Bobby, who I had on a little bit earlier, and he's he was on earlier in the podcast. If I sequence this correctly, but I think that Kawhi bothers. Uh, Luca bothers Kawhi in a very different way than he bothers everyone else because he's able to get under him to a certain extent. He uses a, that big old ass of his to move dudes out of the way and he keeps them on the hip. And I don't think Kawhi's ever played anybody quite like that. Now, I bet he can master it because Kawhi is a Terminator. I really do like this take, though, that Kawhi's going to go for more because he's averaging 33 points a game. <laughs> so. I mean, that's just really more shots. I mean, 33 points a game and he's shooting like he's shooting in like the low 20s in terms of attempts. So that's 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 a fun one because I, I, I agree with you because the Mavs can't really do anything about him. And in game three, you saw this a lot where he would isolate on the wing and then the Mavs would send like a soft double and he would just make the first pass. I mean, the guy had eight assists that game. And that was that was one that was one way the Clippers buried it. My Bold prediction is going to be that Maxi Kleba hits a three-pointer. Cannot wait for it. <laughs> really looking, really looking forward to Maxi hitting a three. He had two that almost went down late in the fourth, and I, I was like, ah, oh, gosh. But yeah, 
Well, thank you very much for coming on. I think we're going to have to figure something out whenever there's less basketball uh, going on, but it's hard to do this, uh, you know, other than doing our own thing. So I appreciate you taking the time to hop on today. Absolutely. Everybody, if you're not subscribed to Locked on Mavs, you probably should be because they do regular content, whereas Josh and I just try to figure it out every few days. So (laughs) Nick and Isaac do a great job. And uh, thanks for coming on, and we will uh, see you out there on the internet. (laughs) 